extend a welcome to you this morning in the name of the one we were just singing about. And Dennis took the words right out of my mouth on verse 3. He heard the prayer and gave the will. And I was trying to think how I could illustrate, and I, I can't illustrate, how small we are and how dependent we are upon God and how great God is. I, could, I couldn't make a dot small enough on this board. And there would be not a board big enough to describe our, the, the, the ratio or the comparison. We certainly need the redemptive work of Jesus Christ in our lives, and I do. Uh, this morning I'd like to share, felt that to share this morning, as I, I thought about how great God is and how small we are, and, and how that should impact our lives in doing His will. And that's the title of my meditation this morning, The Will of God. Someone has said it's probably the one single most important question that the child of God asks. And I found that somewhat interesting because as I looked at my own experience, I thought, well, you know, that's probably very true. Uh, we may ask it sometimes on a daily basis. We may sometimes go along for a period of time where we think things are, you know, stacking up in order like we think they are. And we don't ask that question. Uh, whether that's right or wrong, I, I'm not sure about that. But uh, our situations do, do vary from how... Whether we're young, whether we're old, uh, and, and certainly that question shouldn't be diminished as we age. We ought to ask that even as we age. There does seem to be a period of time in our lives, in our early Christian walk, and as we mature into adulthood, that there's a there's a a lot of uh, there's a, a narrow span there that is, or a narrow band there that there, a lot of them questions are, are critical to understand what God's will is for our lives. I, I was just reflecting back over my life. I, as I thought about this, is in a natural expression. You know, was it God's will for me to move to Minnesota from Pennsylvania? And uh, as I thought about that, I thought of three three brethren that I knew, and uh, they knew I was. I had a nice job. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed working with the people. But I had gotten married, and I'd married a farm girl, and she didn't like that I worked away at an office. And uh, you know, I, I, it was all mental work. She said, I'd come home from work and stretch out in the recliner, and I'd lay there and jerk. And, uh, you know, now I'm, I've, for the last 40 years, I've been doing physical work. And uh, that's certainly probably more healthy for you uh, in a lot of ways. People that do mental work, I think, need to do, make a conscious effort to exercise physically as well. But as, I, as we were considering that, what God's will is, whether we move from Pennsylvania to Minnesota here to this fledging little congregation of probably... Four families. Uh, There's three brethren came to me and uh, made some offers. They said, "Well, if you're thinking of changing your vocation, they said, uh, um, you know, I, I bought a farm in a neighboring county, and I said I need someone to to live move up there. I was in Lebanon County. He said uh, you can move up there and uh, you know satisfy your your farming your farming uh, ambitions up there. And uh, he, of course, had sows." And I was thinking cows out here, so I, I chose cows over sows. But uh, I did, looking at the situation, I don't know if that was good or bad or not, but looking at the, his, his family situation, I knew he had a row boys, and I was probably maybe six, seven, eight years ahead of them. And I knew it was probably a short-term uh, situation. I knew it would probably come six, seven, eight years down the road that, uh, you know, he'd say, well, you know, I'd like to have one of my sons living on that farm. That was my consideration in, in some of that. And I talked to my father-in-law about that offer, and he said, well, he said it could be a good option for you. And uh, he said, but I would probably look at it more from the standpoint that you're still going to just be an employee. 
And he said, I look at it that you could have some sweat equity, you know, like maybe you work for some of the, some of the sows that, you know, when the time comes that you leave that you're, you're taking some equity along with you. Well, I didn't take that offer. There was another, uh, brother in the church came to me and he said, uh, well, he said, this isn't quite farming, but he said, you're working with farmers and they had a feed mill. And he said, we're looking for someone to sell feed. Would you like to do that? And, uh, Again, my wife didn't like feed salesmen, so she vetoed that one. <laughs> and I wasn't sure that was really would satisfy my farming uh, desire either. Then there was another that was totally off the wall. There was another brother on the school board, and he said, well, maybe you come and teach school for us. So there I had three options, <laughs> uh, not counting the one to move here. And uh, so how do we discern the Lord's will for our lives? Uh, I know we prayed about it, and we talked about it, and... Uh, I know we felt comfortable in, in our, uh, you know, in our decision in, in moving here. Uh, so as we think about uh, the will of God, and you can reflect back over your life, some of the decisions you've made, and we may not get them all right. We may not always get them all right. We can learn from those experiences if we do not. So we think of uh, thinking about what the Lord's will is. I thought of this. We sometimes do this. We uh, we say, well, we'll see you tomorrow, see you next week, perhaps, the Lord willing. And uh, so we uh, we think of that. I'd like to uh, refer to a number of verses in the introduction here. Uh, James chapter 1, uh, verse 5 tells us this. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. So we realize how small. There's so many things we do not understand about life. There's our, our vision is so short-sighted. And God invites us to come and to ask of Him. And He will give to all men liberally. There's uh, those verses that I've referred to in, uh, in James chapter 4. Just back a few pages there. It says, uh, James 4, verse 13, Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city, and continue there a year, and buy, and sell, and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. And that's that's true. We don't know what tomorrow holds. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So we know doing the will of God is always to do good. That's one thing we, that's one foundational truth we can cement in our minds. Doing good is always God's will. It will never be wrong. Doing good is always God's will. But we need to be conscious and sensitive to God's will in our lives in a very practical and daily uh, basis, I believe. So I thought about uh, doing and understanding God's will. It's, you know, sometimes we, we think it's rather elusive, and it's probably not more complicated and elusive than we make it. I think God desires that we know his will for our lives. Every child of his, I believe. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to tell me what's going to happen tomorrow. That doesn't mean he's going to reveal to me what's going to happen a year down the road or to any one of us. He expects us. Faith is an integral part of, of living out God's will. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 are, are two uh, principal verses, I think, that we need to understand in, in uh, 
living out God's will. And I like the truths that are in these two verses, Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to live out, flesh out his will in our daily walk and action of life. Uh, as it were, our lives a living sacrifice this morning. Every child of God is a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, not conformed to this world, but transformed that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And I, the question I had to ask myself is, how well am I doing that? How well am I fleshing out that I am a child of God, I am doing His will? Or is it more about me? Is it more about my ambitions and my goals? There is one verse in the Old Testament that I, I came across in my study. Probably knew it was there. Uh, it's in Deuteronomy 29, verse uh, 29. <clears throat> and it's actually the... It, it's Moses' last sermon, if you want to call it that, to the children of Israel. And he makes this statement. Deuteronomy 29, verse 29. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God... But those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the works of the law. Now, I thought I found that verse rather interesting. Is the fact that there are things that God chooses not to reveal to us, and that's what's going to happen tomorrow. God chose not to reveal that to us. We may sometimes, you know, we we can uh, know what's going to happen to a limited degree. Dennis mentioned. Uh, John Slayball Jr.'s, no, John, seniors. seniors. <laughs> Mom, I'll get this wrong yet. Uh, Louis Slayball, right? Alma, Alma. okay. <laughs> Good, I know who she is. But, uh, you know, so we know age-wise, we know health-wise, somewhere probably down the road, you know, unless the Lord would intervene in a miraculous way, that probably her health is going to, her life is going to come to a close. So we, there are facts of life that we need to realize and reckon with. We know that. But the secret things which, that belong unto the Lord, unto God, those things which are revealed belong unto us. God has revealed, how much has God revealed to us? <laughs> They're contained within the pages of this book. And there are lessons of life that are revealed to us. Uh, is there more revealed? One of the thoughts I had to entertain, and I'm not sure I've come to a conclusion of that, is there more revealed than there is not revealed. And I don't know that. And I don't know if anybody here can answer that question because we don't know what all is going to be revealed yet. He has told us some of what will be at one some point in time revealed. But the thing is we get we can get distracted by what isn't revealed and forget about what is God has already revealed for us to do in exercising his will. Moses, I liked his his expression there. He said it's uh, you know for generations to generations uh children to ch- Unto us, to our children, forever. And uh, that's why we're preaching and teaching yet this morning. And meeting in God's house this morning. is because it's, it's applicable yet today. They're revealed and we need to live it out. We need to flesh God's will out. As I want to think about the will of God this morning. 
there, you know, we'd, we'd be unfair to not look at his son, Jesus Christ, as an example. And that's what I want to do first, John 6, verse 38. He certainly did it in a perfect way, more perfect than any one of us will ever be able to do, than I will be ever able to do. And uh, John 6, verse 38. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. Continuing on to verse 39. And this is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Jesus, as you think of him coming down from the splendor and the glory of heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me, sent by the Father to provide redemption for you and I this morning. We needed that as we sang in that hymn there this morning. We needed that that healing power in our lives. Verse 39 talks about continuing that relationship with him. The Father's will is that, that we would continue in a relationship with him so that we would not fall away from a and be lost to the uh, forces of evil. Verse four, verse 40 talks about the everlasting life that is we can e- expect and anticipate. Now that has not been revealed to us. None of us have experienced that everlasting life yet. We, we know we have it promised to us as we live and flesh out the Father's will. Death is not the end, but is, it is actually only the beginning. Death is in, in many ways only the beginning. And I came across I came across a quote as I was studying, and I have no idea who to give the credit to this t- uh, to, but I, I like the quote because I think it in, in one in a few words uh, summarizes everything else I'm going to say from this point forward. You cannot separate the will of God in the believer's life from the cross of Christ. You think about that. You cannot separate the will of God in the believer's life from the cross of Christ because that's what Christianity is all about. It's about a life of surrender. It's about a life of commitment. It's a life of self-sacrifice. You know, we're reading there in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, about being a living sacrifice. And you think of how Jesus Christ embodied that in a very practical way, giving his life as a sacrifice on the cross. The death and the cross and its subsequent resurrection following really are our only hope in this world. Turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 26 through 49, resurrection chapter there, as I thought about 1 Corinthians 15, beginning at verse 26. For the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For he hath put all things under his feet, but when he saith all things are put under his, under him, it is manifest that he is a he is accepted, which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead, if the dead rise not at all? Why are they then baptized for the dead? And why stand we in jeopardy every hour? I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily. We're talking about dying daily. 
If after the manner of men I have fought with the beasts at Ephesus, what advantage it me? If the dead rise not, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Life is not about eating and drinking only. Life is not about enjoying it. I believe God expects us to enjoy life. But the important thing we need to ask ourselves is, am I living out? Am I fleshing out the will of God in all that I do, in all my eating and drinking? Be not deceived, evil communications, corrupt good manners. Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. But some, but some man will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Thou fool, thou which thou, that which thou sowest is not quickened except to die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, be, but bare grain. It may chance of wheat or of some other grain. But God giveth it a body as, as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. And I'm going to stop there. But uh, that was Paul's explanation. I wanted to read through verse 49. I want to just jump down to verse 49. And as we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. And that's that's what I want to emphasize this morning, that we are bearing the image. As we bear the image of the earthly, we also ought to be bearing the image of the heavenly. As we flesh out living the will of God, we ought to be pointing people toward Christ. That's Paul's explanation on Living out the will of life, the, uh, God's will in our lives today. Jumping back to to Mark, the Gospel, Mark chapter fourteen, verse thirty six. This is Jesus as I, as we're looking at the example of Jesus living out the will of God, and this is the uh, Gethsemane experience here, and I. I Put this here because I, it portrayed the, uh, it portrayed the, the humanness of, of our Savior. And, uh, to think that He faced the Calvary, the cross, uh, you know, I, I, you know, it's hard for us to comprehend that, that He was facing that event, uh, as a human in this, these verses here, or in this verse here. Verse 36, and he said, Abba, Father, if all things are possible unto thee, take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. And how many times do we, as his children this morning, need to pray that as well? Not, Lord, what I wilt, but what thou wilt. And we see that, again, exemplified in Jesus Christ this morning. Luke's account, I believe, in that same Gethsemane account mentions how an angel strengthened him. And I wonder sometimes if we, and as I look at my own experience, I wonder sometimes if we attempt to flesh out God's will in our own strength, and that's why we fail so many times. If Jesus needed an angel to strengthen him in that event, how much more do you and I need an angel to strengthen us as we face those challenging times in fleshing out and acknowledging that I want God's will and not my will. I was challenged with that, that truth as I, and again, Luke is the one that mentions that an angel came and strengthened him. Well, that's the example of Christ. Secondly, I want to look at his will for us. 
First, uh, Second Peter chapter three, verse nine. As we think of what God's will is for you and me this morning, there are some foundational truths that we can build on. Second uh, Peter chapter three, verse nine. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's God's will for us this morning. Let's admit it, we don't always, I already told you, we probably don't always get it right. We don't always flesh out God's will. What gets in the way? Well, many times it's selfishness that gets in the way. Um, repentance is is the way back. Repentance is the way to restore that relationship. And we talked about in that, it's talked about in that hymn, and I think Dennis talked about it too. Repentance is what we need. Repentance is what I need as we think of getting back and uh, experiencing His will in our lives. His will, I believe God's will, is that we express repentance as needed. And as I thought about that, I my mind started turning and I thought, you know... There used to be pharmaceuticals that would would uh, tell you to take the dosage as needed. So I went to the medicine cabinet and I asked my wife, I said, are there any uh, prescriptions or medicines in there that, that actually give that instruction as needed? And, uh, well, you look at the Tylenols and you look at all the painkillers and uh, they, of course, don't say that anymore. Uh, they may have said it long ago. The closest I could get to it here is a bottle uh, of motion sickness pills. <laughs> And uh, they are uh, they are natural, so uh, you probably can't overdose on them if you took the whole the whole bottle. I don't know if they work or not. I don't know if I ever tried them or not. But on a very small print, it gives you the the uh, the dosage has some warnings listed there. But uh, it says adults uh, dissolve two to three tablets under your tongue every four hours or as needed. And uh, so uh, there it says as needed. And uh, as you think of, that's you know that's a natural. Experience, but you know, from a spiritual experience, God expects us to seek repentance as needed. And uh, can you overdose on repentance? Every time we, we we do a wrong, I think we need to come back to the cross. Remember, the cross is foundational. The cross is central to understanding what God's will is. We need to be. We need to experience the brokenness that comes there. We need to experience the repentance that that is experienced there at the cross. And we need to experience the forgiveness that is that can be found there as well. Don't be afraid to seek repentance as needed. That's God's will for us. He wants us to, it's made available to us and he wants us to seek it. He wants us to experience it. The second thing as I think of God's will for us is in Ephesians chapter 1 verses 3 through 5. Ephesians 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. We're talking about living blameless lives this morning. There it is. We can experience that this morning as we live our lives in holiness and blameless 
without him in love. Where does that love come from? That love comes from God. God is the source of love. God is love. Verse 5, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. It's God's pleasure that we become adopted into his family this morning through experiencing holiness and love. It's the good pleasure of his will. It's not the basis of who I am. It's not the basis of what I bring. It's it's on the basis of what God has done in each one of our lives this morning that we can be adopted into his family. And that's the holiness and the love that we'll, we can experience. <clears throat> Revelations chapter 3, verse 21, it's another will that God wants us to experience. Verse Revelations 3, verse 21. His will is that we be overcomers. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. It's God's will this morning that each one of us experience victory. Each one of us are overcomers in his will. Well, that's understanding some of what God expects. Now, how do we do it? That's my third point, doing his will. You know, we can turn to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, and I'll not, you need to turn to that there. I'd like to suggest I have five things that I think would help us to understand and to effectively live out, flesh out, doing God's will. You know, in Hebrews 11, verse 6, it says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. You know, we can talk about doing God's will, and, you know, invariably in any conversation when we talk about doing God's will, the idea of, of the fleecing comes up. Uh, I've heard people express it that way already. And sometimes it's just a, an expression. It's not the, the, total soul, the total, total soul source of the picture. And they, they use that expression back in the Old Testament with Gideon, how Gideon laid out the fleece to uh, discern God's will. Well, I'd like to suggest this morning, I'm not... He, uh, Gideon is listed in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11, so I'm not going to fault him. I would like to suggest, though, before you go home and lay your fleece out to discern God's will, discern God's will for your life, I would like to say I think in our day and age that faith actually should trump fleece, if I can use that expression. I think faith needs to be over fleecing. Um, God, I believe, is pleased when we exercise faith in, uh, if you, if you look at the account there in, uh, with Gideon there in, uh, in Judges 6, I believe it is, you know, there was an angel came to Gideon and clearly gave him clear instructions. And uh, Gideon was somewhat, and I could identify with Gideon. You know, he said, hey, I'm, I'm the least, I'm the smallest, and, you know, what can I do to deliver Israel? And, uh, you know, it was a pretty big task he was asking him to do. I'll, I'll acknowledge him that. Uh, and I don't know exactly, I'm not saying fleecing is wrong. I, I won't say that. There are circumstances we use sometimes. But I think to use it as simply the, to put, there are cautions in the scripture that, that we should not tempt God. We should not, uh, you know, put God in a box and this is the way it has to be. There are cautions in the scripture to that end. But, uh, in our New Testament era where we have the Spirit of God living within us and we, God is pleased when we step out in faith. I believe faith needs to be over and above the aspect of fleecing. So take that as number one. I believe faith needs to have expression over the fleece. 
The second point that I want to uh, draw your attention to, I was going to read a verse there in Hebrews 11, verse 32. No, that's just where he, that's just where Gideon is listed there. I thought I missed a point there, but that's where Gideon is listed there in the, uh, the Hall of Fame chapter. The second thing I, I think we need to think about is, as I think about doing God's will in a practical way, I think we need to, we need to look at the tried and the true versus the new. And, uh, I want to take you to the Proverbs verses here in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. There is a lot of worth in, in what is tried and true over, over something that is totally new and not tried and proven. Now, that may be a difference of opinion. But uh, as I think of doing God's will, I, I don't think we can go wrong by, by sticking to what we know is tried and true. And I use these verses here in Proverbs 3, verses 1 through 6. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the tables of thine heart. So shalt thou, so shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. And that's what I'm talking about, the tried and true. I'm talking about this, the word of God, that which is tried and true. And uh, we won't go wrong if we stick to that which is tried and true. So I think as I think about the tried and the true, you know, I think we need to be sure and look at what God has already told you and I in his word and perhaps through others in understanding and knowing what his will is for our lives. The third point as I think of doing God's will is we need to communicate with God. Um, know his voice. And I thought of the verses in John 10 verse 4. Uh, God expects us to pray. We were told to ask. Him, you know, liberally, he'll give to us liberally. In uh, John 10, the Good Shepherd passage there, it tells us the, uh, and one of the truths that I was challenged was that with as I was studying, and I'm back in Luke, no wonder it doesn't look right. John 10, verse, uh, uh, John 10, verse 4. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And one of the truths that I was challenged as I meditated and thought about the, the aspect of that as we think of praying to God is the idea of, of listening for an answer. And then the second thing is, how well do I know God's voice when he does answer? Would I know? Have I communicated with him frequently enough that I would know his voice when he does answer my prayer? How well do I know God's voice? So the tried and the true, number two, number three, communicate with God in prayer and to know his voice. Uh, I'm suggesting familiarity should be over strange voices. And there are many strange voices out there in the world today giving us and vying for our attention and instruction. But uh, know God's voice when he does answer. When you ask God what his will is for a specific thing, be ready to understand and to know what his recognize his voice have that voice recognition 
The fourth thing, as I think of doing God's will, is to uh, to wait over speed. Uh, if you're waiting in the Lord, and we can turn to Isaiah chapter 40, uh, verses uh, 28 through 31, and uh, you know there it talks about waiting on the Lord. Uh, the only thing I caution as I think about waiting on the Lord, and this is probably t- it's probably is more of a personality of me. You know, sometimes I think my waiting is more on me than it is on the Lord. I'm not ready, so I'm, I'm waiting. When God would be ready to move forward, I'm still waiting because I feel like it's not right. And uh, I guess that's the only caution I think of as I think of waiting over speed. I think waiting is good. I think a lot of harm can be done by, you know, thinking you've got to have activity and action so you're off and on you go. And uh, you may get... Uh, yourself into uh, places you do not want to be. But if you're waiting on the Lord, I guess the challenge I want to leave with you is make sure it's Him, make sure it's God that you're waiting on and not not just your own procrastination. The fifth thing, direction over action. I already mentioned action, but I, I as I thought about living on God's will, you know, direction is an important thing to keep in mind. What direction do you want to go? You want to go toward God. You want to be living odd God's will in your life. The scriptures tell us it's not in man to direct his steps. If it's moving you toward God, it will be right and good. One of the truths I was challenged with as I meditated on that principle, you know, oftentimes we we look inwardly at ourselves. How will this choice or decision impact me? When in reality, we could be looking out that way and think, and, you know, as I look at the unselfishness of Christ in his ministry in this world, you know, he was always looking out over the multitude and he saw the needs and he met those needs. But, you know, as we think of doing God's will, we sometimes tend to look inwardly. And that's a limited amount of that is probably all right. But we probably overdo it. We do that naturally. We look at how will it impact me? What's there for me? And uh, we ought to be looking out at the opportunities that are out there. How can God utilize me today where I am right now? Direction. Remember, if it's taking us toward Christ, if it's taking us toward God, it will always be right and good. I'd like to just conclude and close with several inspirational quotes in relation to God's will. Corey Tenboom had this to say. She said, There are no ifs in God's world, and no places that are safer than other places. The center of His will is our only safety. Let us pray that we may always know it. Elizabeth Elliot said, The will of God is not something you add to your life. It's a course that you choose. You either line yourself up with the Son of God, or you capulate to the principles of which the rest of the world, which governs the rest of the world. George MacDonald, Doing the will of God leaves me no time for disputing about his plans. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Being a Christian is less about cautiously avoiding sin than about courageously and actively doing God's will. God bless you as you seek to know his will for your lives today, tomorrow, and the years ahead. God, I believe, desires that we know his will and we live his will. May God help us to experience his presence as we do that.